Welcome to The Floor Fantasy and Sci-Fi Lore. This is a re-release of our introduction to Dune, as most of the podcast feeds have now cut that off from your ability to access it. It is still available on our website. However, we have remastered the audio, so it's a lot crisper and cleaner. In the original audio, we had a guest on, uh, RJ Walker. He had helped us do a Hollow Earth episode and then stuck around to help us out with Dune. He's a big fan, has really dived deep into it. However, we ended up taking a 10-minute tangent about the inspirations of Dune that I have cut from this version. If you want to hear about Dune has inspired and impacted so much of the development of sci-fi, check out the original episode on the Patreon site, uh, where it will always be hosted. It is free there. So if you do want to hear that part of the conversation that is there, it has been pulled out of this because it made it really long. And it was like, you know, almost 15 minutes before we really dive into it. Uh, one of the big things we do cover here is we're going to talk about Frank Herbert, his inspirations, his life has impacted Dune, but we're also going to take a look at where we are in our society and our technology and say, if we will eventually become Dune, what are the steps in technology and achievement that get us there so that people can understand uh, how we get to Dune from where we are and the point at which there is a big divergence in the direction our technology is currently going and where Dune is, because that is a big point of the lore in Dune, and a big point in trying to understand why their world is so different. So that is what you're interested in, that is what you're looking for, that is what is in this episode. Roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding, it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night Keep reading, keep watching, keep playing. So good, you forgot your life and lived there. So good, the moment it ended, you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to The Floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on the topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world, another adventure, another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. We are going to be starting our series on Dune, E-U-N-E. So you may have seen the trailers for the movie that's going to be coming out this December. Uh, we had planned this project for last year, but when they moved the movie, we decided to move the episode. So we're going to be starting here in June, and then hopefully we'll cover everything we really want to cover for to get you ready for the movie. Because the first time I saw the movie Dune, because there was a, a, a version made in the 80s, I was really confused by a lot of things going into it. I was like, why is that? That seems silly to me. And a lot of things. Uh, but it, but since then, I have gone and read the book. So quick, I will Joe. say that this, this movie is based on a book that was published in 1965, a book that has been around for a long time and it has had a lot of influence on sci-fi and inspired a lot of people who went into it. Perspective-wise, this is like something that's in the future and there's planets and they yeah. don't have different so planets. It's that's a long time ago galaxy far away 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's just I'm just trying to get a perspective of kind of what this world looks like. Yeah, I mean, so I, don't, what, I don't need hard truths. Well, I'm going to walk you a little bit through some key points of history okay. in Dune to get you from where we are to where we will be. Okay. All right. Are you guys ready? Yeah. So so Frank, it, Frank Herbert is the author of Dune. And the whole project starts out of the fact that he was, he was a journalist. He was writing for magazines and newspapers. And he got an assignment to write about sand dunes in Oregon. And it just fascinated him and he just dug in super deep and and like after finishing it he had this ton of extra material and he, and, and and that was kind of where dune starts for herbert is just studying these sand dunes and being fascinated with them so he begins work on prod on the novel in 1959 and he doesn't actually publish it until 1965 and during this time his, his wife actually supported him while he was working on this book and dune is not a huge success, but as a sci-fi novel, it is fairly successful. And then he writes the second book in the series, which is Dune Messiah. And again, it's not a flop, but it's not a huge success. And then he, when he writes Children of Dune, the third book, that is when That's it takes off. Back. And essentially what had happened is over the years, it was building this fan base. And so when the third book dropped, that fan base was big enough to launch the third book into a huge seller. And then everybody else heard about it and was able to go back and start the series. So it basically snowballed. So Dune Messiah, when did that come out? So Dune Messiah was in uh, 69, so four years later. And Children of Dune isn't until 1976. And and that's kind of uh, uh, the marker. Mid-70s is when sci-fi was getting cool. And uh, a lot of the other books started to take off as well. And that's where all these sci-fi uh, stories start really taking off. So, and then there's a few things happening, at least during Herbert's life and in the United States specifically, that kind of really popularized Dune because Herbert takes a look at a lot of ideas uh, surrounding uh, genetic engineering, surrounding, uh, you know, uh, religion's role in, in politics and, and everyday life and, and just a lot of ideas that people were very interested in, in understanding the U.S. versus the Soviet as the Cold War is brewing. And even like you talk about the litany of the fear, right? Herbert lived through World uh, War II and is very familiar with the famous speech by Roosevelt where he says there is nothing to fear but fear itself. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is this is the banner of the United States throughout the Second World War where Herbert is in his youth and, and, and experiencing this. So the next thing I want to talk about is how, how uh, Herbert decides to explore religion in society. Because understanding this and, and the people called the Bene Gesserit is a big part of understanding the Dune world. So Karl Marx, in his Communist Manifesto, he says this phrase that many people are familiar with, right? That uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. And yeah. as he goes on to kind of explain in, in, his, uh, in his book there, he talks about how he believes that religion was created by the wealthy and the influential or the elite of society as a way to control the masses, right? To maintain the status quo and their position on top. And so Herbert really takes this idea and wants to explore it. Instead of saying maybe that was done in his world of doom, it is very deliberately done. The Bene Gesserit have very specifically crafted a religion. They very specifically... Okay. Benny Gesserit. 
Benny Gesserit. That's the religion in Dune that you need to know about. The Benny Gesserits. Yes. And and these are the the people who are using spice, correct? Uh, they do use spice. And when is, is that is that code? Or we'll, we'll get to spice in a minute, but it's a big part of the Dune economy. For Jesuit is the religion. Can you tell me? And this may be impossible, but in twenty seconds or less, kind of just basically what that religion entails. So, well, like I said, the Bene Gesserit is a constructed religion by the elite, who are the Bene, who are, and the Bene Gesserit are among them. They craft very specific mythologies about messiahs that they spread on the worlds that have humanity on them, so that if they need to call on those people, they can send someone down to fulfill the prophecies they presented about a messiah, and then they will follow that messiah. These are specifically <laughs> crafted mythologies driven by thousands of years of propaganda, right? Wow. And they, they will send down people, even like, and if the people don't like the Bene Gesserit, like if there's an anti-Bene Gesserit people, they will send down people who claim to have left the order and rebel and will start with building, like agreeing with these people until they can lead them. And then oh, they can start God. weaving in these mythologies again. So the Why mythologies, is... right, oh. mythologies of the Bene Gesserit are written by writers who are paid to write them. And mm -hmm. then they are sent to specific planets. And if one isn't working, they'll send another, right? Until oh, they have so that mythology embedded in the people and they can use it whenever they need to to control them. Like I said, Karl Marx said it. Frank Herbert said, how would that really look? How would you really do that? And that is what the Bene Gesserit do. And that, that is the religion you will encounter on Dune. And uh, very much in, in so uh, the Dune political system is a feudal system. There is an emperor, you have dukes and barons and everything like that. It's, back up. Is there one emperor per planet or is there just one emperor? There's one emperor. The god emperor. emperor. So at, oh, I, I, I should say, at the K. time we encounter the story of Dune, there is one emperor. Okay. So at, yeah. The reason you say that is stuff happens, basically. Yeah. Um, let's take a break real quick and then we'll get into the government and more of the emperor, hopefully. So we're back. We were just talking about the religion, the Bene Gesserit. Um, and honestly, that sounds terrifying because if you know anything about humans, if you don't like this, then do that. Like, it's really simple to just flip one or the other. So it's very rare that people are going to be like, I, neither is good. I'm going to think for myself. They want, they want the safety net. And so this is very, very intel intelligent and terrifying. My one worry with the movie, and we'll find out when we go see it, is that they will not properly show like the religion and the philosophy and that deep like stuff as well as you're describing it. Yeah, like like I said, I was really confused by the Benny Jesuit the, the first time I saw the movie. Um, pretty, are you talking about the the 2000 sci-fi? No, so I I didn't even finish that. So I saw the movie from the eight from the 80s was the my my that was my first time. Okay. And then uh, I saw part of that sci-fi one, but it just didn't pull me in as much. And by then I'd read the book and had a, a much bigger appreciation for it. Yeah, Dune Dune has like has like so much. And in order to fit so much and suspend our disbelief in the style of writing Dune, Herbert drew influences from techniques uh, used in actual like mythologies, epics, like you know the epics of Homer. The Poetic Edda, Beowulf, uh, because those mythologies told a lot in a little. Like they knew how to tell a lot in a little and constrain themselves enough to um, 
basically developed this this style of storytelling. And by adapting that, Herbert not only weaves in the story of of this this religion, uh, he also shows it. You know, as we say in writing, show don't tell. He shows yeah. it through the the way in which he is writing it, which is uh, just fabulous. So juicy. It's the juicy stuff I like. <laughs> yeah, I like juicy. So I did want to touch on the government just a little bit because, like I said, it's this feudal system kind of kind of built on how you know most uh, governments were functioning during the Middle Ages. And if we look at uh, Catholicism, right, all throughout Europe, you had these kings and queens, and standing next to all of them was a cardinal or a bishop who was the advisor from the church. And you will see that exact thing play out in Dune, right? We have mm-hmm. the emperor, and they have their Genebezard advisor, and we have the duke. And for him, he doesn't have a Jenny Bezard advisor because he's got a Jenny Bezard wife, you know. And so, like, in every position of political power, there is a member of the Bene Gesserit there to watch what they're doing and to advise them. A mixture of church and state. And to, like, like basically be a spy, right? Yeah, like a combination of spy and advisor rolled into one. Ad- advisor is more like, do it our way so you don't get murdered accidentally in your sleep. <laughs> Not, I mean, the Jenny Bezard aren't quite like that. So we'll go into, like, we're not done with the Bene Gesserit because they're a really complicated topic. So the other thing the Bene Gesserits do is they do genetic engineering. So, again, this was really big because we had just had World War II with the Nazis, uh, you know, engaging in partly eugenics, trying to wipe out the Jews. But they were also engaging in their own uh, genetic engineering with, you know, officers uh, and generals from the Nazis impregnating hundreds of women to try and create super babies, right? So we have that. Babies. Yeah. Everyone wants one. But you don't know what inspired Second. America? You should have seen Aaron's face when he heard the phrase. Uh, super. Yeah, super babies. Let's back up for a second. When we say super babies, there's Captain America super babies. There's the Spartans from <laughs> super babies. There's a lot of different types of super babies. Can you please enlighten us on what they decided was, was going to be a super baby? Okay. Yeah, so the Jenny Bezard have been engineering these babies for thousands of years. And so we did mention briefly the spice. And like we'll probably have to do a whole episode on the spice to really cover yes. it. But yeah. it has two really important properties. One, it extends and doubles human life. So once you start taking it, you know, your life expectancy doubles. And two, it gives you the ability to see into the future a little bit. And Some precognition. A little bit of precognition. And so what the Jenny Bezerit are trying to genetically engineer is someone who can take the spice and see far into the future. That is the genetic trait they are working on. Someone who can take this drug and just see thousands of years ahead of what is coming. Rather than just tomorrow. Yeah, rather than just tomorrow or the next you know, few minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that is so what they are genetically... So they're not so much like, well, I mean, they're super babies, but they're like superly imbued to like harness this spice drug better than others. Yes. So they're like, they're like fed skooma daily when they're children. To, I'm in spice. You... <laughs> so I hope you all got that. Joke. Well, and, and there's what, what's skooma. That's from uh, Skyrim. That's their cocaine. Yeah. Uh, it's like no, under risen lore. It's from druids, actually. So the druids had skooma. Uh, which was then adopted by Alex Huxley in his book Brave New World and then was picked up by Skyrim. Soma. Oh, okay. S-K-O-O-M-A, I guess, Soma. Well, I mean, they put a K in it, but I mean, it's really Soma, Soma. right? Oh, all right. Yeah. 
I just played Skyrim. They called Skuma, but I just played Skyrim because you made me play it, Joseph. I played it because you were playing it. Um, but yeah, and and so there seems to be a difference in how men and women react to this ability to see into the future because the Bene Gesserit in their genetic engineering are very specific about when a male can be born into this genetic engineering chain. Because when the male is born, it seems that he will have the strongest power. And so they they have they have chosen like a very specific generation. And so minor spoilers, this is the very beginning of Dune and something I didn't even understand what was happening is so uh, the, the, the protagonist of the first book and what will be the movie is Paul Atreides. And mm-hmm. his mother was told by the Bene Gesserit only bear daughters. We are not ready for the person who can see far into the future. And then mm-hmm. your grandson, who will be what they call the Quitsat Haderach. Oh, yes, obviously, the Quitsat Haderach. So, but that, that's to be that super being that they've been genetically engineering for years. But Jessica doesn't follow her orders, and she bears a son, which is... Okay, back up for a second. Doesn't follow her orders, so she purposely has... Has yes. a male. So I knew have... it, I knew women could choose the gender of a child. My mom lied to me. So, so so that's so that that is understanding the Bene Gesserit, their role and position and, and kind of the how that played into, you know, society and was such a big thing in the sixties because Marx had said this and you know, in the United States religion was very big, whereas the Soviets had tried to follow Marx's teaching and here Herbert kind of explored this middle ground and he's be like, what if we still have religion, but it is, as Marx said, deliberate in controlling the masses. Okay. I have uh, a few questions. I'll uh, answer your questions, ask your questions, Aaron. But I do want to backtrack to when you say parents can choose the gender of their child because they can and I will explain it. Yes, please. All right. That one first because I, I, I want to ask a few questions. So, uh, in vitro fertilization was pioneered around the 80s, early 90s. I was actually one of the trial babies. Whoa. Oh, way. To have them see if they could determine accurately the gender of a child. And they could, with I think it was like 65, 68% accuracy, uh, predetermining children with wow. fertilization. And then it was deemed unethical <laughs> and not allowed because of books like Dune uh, making people afraid of like your <laughs> science eugenics uh that can come from that i mean this to be part... honest, if the Bene jesuits have that kind of power like to choose genders i i would be worried just because if someone like that evil and that intent on being in control of other people's lives had that much control that would be scary to me but again outside of that i don't think it's a big deal so <laughs> RJ, you, you say they, they made it illegal. Was this during the satanic panic? Um, I don't know if it was. I, I It was kind of at the same time as the satanic panic. I think it was more like the 2000s. Oh, okay. Where, where yeah. they were like, okay, this genetic modification stuff is getting a little bit out of hand. And then recently, I think it was only like 2015, they made it illegal to copyright genetic code, like somebody's genetic code. Oh, interesting. Like deal. Yeah. Nah. Aaron, you had a question about the satanic panic? <laughs> yes. Uh, we just casually threw a satanic panic out there like everybody knows it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a massive tangent for Dune. The satanic <laughs> panic 
uh, happened in the in the early 80s. It maybe started in the late 70s. Uh, we're not going to go into full details. Essentially, it started with a psychologist and a patient who completely fabricated a story. It became a bestseller. And all across America, parents were terrified their children were being abducted and led into Satanism. That's all I'm going to say because it's yeah, like let's it's be the honest, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, no, that's fine. That, that's enough. Okay, I have questions about Dune just because I know nothing and I want to just get this clear. So I know that a lot of like futuristic, uh, post-apocalyptic stories that were written around seventies, eighties tend to like have steampunk theme uh, to some degree. What is the world like in Dune as far as technology? Okay, oh, that is a big question. You don't even <laughs> understand. So or just, no, no, no. So I need you to answer it as lightly as you can because I okay. want to do specific episodes on that if it's that big. Okay, so this is. The understanding Dune is about understanding the but Larry Jihad. So their technology is like ours. It just keeps advancing and advancing and computers get faster and smarter and they depend more and more on them. And eventually we get Terminator, right? Eventually the, 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 the machines turn on humanity and we get the Terminator fight. They call it the Butlerian Jihad. And so there is a Butlerian Jihad. Yeah, the Butlerian Jihad, because they're like butlers. They do your bidding and your work, right? And then the butlers turned on us. And mm -hmm. uh, so then there's a huge war between uh, the machines and mankind. And mankind wins. And at that point, thinking machines is how they refer to them. But I guess computers is what we would call them, right? Are We're not AI. It's, yeah, uh, it's I, I think the direct quote is, uh, it's a sin to create something in the model of a man's mind or man's yes. thinking. Yes. So, yeah. So we have the Butlerian Jihad and all the machines are killed off and then it is illegal to create or have a thinking machine. And so at that... But they say sin because it's the church telling people what to it do. It is the church. Of course it is. But and, uh, let us not forget Final Fantasy X's uh, inspiration from Dune, uh, making technology basically a sin and manifesting that sin. To create the antagonist of the game. Uh, I had not made that connection. Wow. Dune has influenced like so much stuff. Uh-huh. we brought RJ on for this because just like, <laughs> you guys didn't do your research. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so, you know, so I, I, like literally there are like upper level college courses on Dune. Uh, so like, don't feel bad if you miss something. <laughs> but yeah, so, so we have the Butler and Jihad and now... They can no longer now. Mankind has spread the galaxy. We are on, you know, spread the universe. I should say we are in multiple galaxies, thousands and thousands of worlds, and we can no longer have machines do a lot of the thinking that we needed to do, like space travel, right? And so it becomes important that one they begin to do a kind of genetic engineering to replace the the things thinking machines could do, and two they begin to use uh, a combination of advanced training and drugs to induce human beings who can do things that humans could not do before, but we need because we no longer have the machines. So you will encounter hey, it. Okay. You're, you're, you're making a connection to my brain. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But so AI used to uh, be able to fold space for humanity, and that's how we are able to be interstellar. Yes. The machines turned against them, and so they had to use the spice to fault space to continue to have an interstellar empire. So this is an intermediate question. I will answer it. <laughs> so yeah, so 
this is the intro, Eli. <laughs> well, so we're so getting there. We're so you have the Holtzman effect, right? Holtzman is considered a thinking machine. He was a man, and he was in an accident. His brain was transferred into a machine, and he creates the three principles or idea, right? The, the uh, one, the first Holtzman uh, idea that he presents allows for instant communication across the universe. The second is the shields you'll see in Dune. And the third is the ability to fold space. But Holtzman... Oh, three main texts that were... Yeah, yeah. Text. And so once the third Holtzman effect is discovered, they can fold space and they can travel the universe. Now, we were already spreading the universe, but these were long journeys of years. Now we could go instantly. Now, like, now these civilizations on the planets are no longer isolated. And this is where we go from multiple emperors and various empires across the galaxy to one, because now they can be one. And there's a big war... That, that happens because of this. And so then we get the Butlerian Jihad and Holtzman, along with all the other thinking machines, are killed. And now folding space is very dangerous because we don't have the machines to do thinking force. And they're, they're losing between two and three ships out of every eight whenever they try to fold space. So it becomes very dangerous. And we kind of go into this dark age of everybody's just on their own now. And then, oh. and then we discover a drug called the Spice, where... You can see into the future a little bit, and that can help you adjust your mathematical calculations. Question. Now we can travel the universe again. Can we, our next episode, because we're we're running short on time here, can our next episode be specifically about the spice um, and just kind of how it was implemented? Because it sounds like I don't think everybody on each planet found the spice at the same time. So it probably became a very rare commodity and was traded and became implemented and stuff like that. It is a rare commodity that comes from one planet. Planet often referred to as Dune, but Dune. the planet is Arasa. No, I, I like it. Said, yeah. I, I I this this was the like of almost every Dune uh, movie because it's like the intro of the book, right? Yeah. The spice melange is essential to all commerce and travel in the universe, and it is only found on one planet, Arrakis, commonly known as Dune. And okay. it's worm poop. <laughs> and it's worm poop. I love that so much. Okay, can we do an episode just like about that? So we will in a second. Yeah. I just I want to finish really quick because we're talking oh, about the, how, how. So like I said, after the Butlerian Jihad, much of the technology advancement is about manipulating the human to do what the machines could once do. So we have the spice, which is then used to create what are called the navigators. And these are the people who fly the ships and fold space to move through it. They're the ones you're going to assume are aliens and are not. Yeah. And so with a different kind of drug and a different kind of training, you get the mentats. And these are people who basically function like computers and they follow around high diplomats and, and generals and stuff. And they can do any kind of elaborate computation really quickly like a computer could. Right? They're human so, computers. Yeah, they're human computers. And their minds have just been manipulated through training and drugs and genetic engineering to create them. And so you begin to see this in the world of Dune, that people are then engineered to fill the gaps left by that Butlerian Jihad. Mm. Okay. So there's is this like a span of like 100 years or something as they try to figure that but, out? So the Butlerian Jihad is thousands of years before the story of Dune takes place. Okay, so it's... it's but I mean the transition from using machines um, to having to learn to do all of this traveling on their own. 
how how long does that take? That that's not overnight. That's no oh, that so, dark age period. So yeah, like I said, much. they're still able to do it, but a lot of people just disappear and a lot of cargo is lost. So it's not done very often, but occasionally somebody's like, it's important enough, we're gonna send all eight ships and hopefully one makes it through. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that sounds awful. Okay. Yeah, they, <laughs> not as bad as uh, Warhammer 40K, but so pretty bad. <laughs> but our understanding is that the Holtzman effect that allows instant communication between the universe does not require heavy thinking machines. And so it's not like they've lost communication with the universe, just travel and commerce. Interesting. So you can ask for help, but no one's going to be able to. You can like hear the radio. Everything else is doing well. We're not coming. It's too dangerous. Quit <laughs> all commercials. It's all just commercials. You need help. Well, that's great. Call us. We'll listen to your problems and not send help. <laughs> all right. Anything else we wanted to cover before we put an end to this episode? Um, I have so many. Anything. Uh, anything else I cover is going to be big. Like I. Yeah. No. I've finally no, gotten through any of my notes. I know. What would be I the know. next? So looking at your notes, Joe, that's probably good, honestly, because I feel like I understand, like I have a base knowledge of about what we're going to dive into now. Okay. Um, so after this, what would be, what note or notes do you want to dive into? Next? So we want to talk about structural resonance and kind of the history of music. Uh, and again, kind of understanding the Benny Gesserit and some of the other technology they've got there. And then we want to talk about the kind of kind of starting, it pro- probably will start in ancient Rome and walk through some history to get us to do. Okay. So Benny Gesserit's music like whales, I'm guessing because whales do that resonating stuff too. <laughs> um, and something else about Rome. All right. Sounds good. RJ, any, any thoughts before we head out? Um, you know, I'm really excited that y'all get to dive into Dune. Uh, it's, it, I, I feel like anybody that it is interested in like writing or creating science fiction, even if you're just like, you know, doing like role playing game campaigns, like it'll it'll benefit you greatly to read Dune, how it's written, how they built, uh, how River built the world, and how um, influential uh, it was, like. It, it was influenced. It influenced your favorite things. So why not let yourself be influenced by it too? Um, and also, Aaron, I know you play Magic. Wizards of the Coast had a Dune trading card game in the nineties. Oh wow! Uh, so that was free Magic, because unless it was like late. No, that's not free Magic. It, it was not a couple years after Magic. I think like oh, four or five years after. Because Magic was ninety six. I want to say. Yeah, I think it was like ninety eight uh, or something. Oh, was it? Okay. No, Magic was ninety six, not Dune. Yeah, Dune. Uh, Dune was like like ninety eight, ninety seven. It was ninety seven. Oh, so okay. So it was like after. So they were like trying it out. Thanks. Ooh, I'll see if I can get some of those cards. We'll see. Yeah, I, I bet they're worth a lot of money right now. That's okay. I have none. <laughs> All right. I was spice. Oh, real quick before we end, we want to thank our patrons again. This time we're going to thank all of them. Uh, so we got Dorothy, Rachel, Josh, Ben, and Kieran. Again, thank you, everyone. Um, and if you're a patron, you heard your name, and you want to hear some specific episode, dive in deeper into something that you just didn't understand, let us know, and we'd be happy to make it happen. RJ, yeah. thanks for helping us out. If you have a request on uh, something to cover in Dune, go ahead and write into us, and, and we'll, we'll include it in one of our upcoming episodes. Also, fun fact, we're actually 
going to be building a Discord. So if you want to come hang out and play games with us, we'll probably be releasing that info in the next couple months. So stay tuned. All right. Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We have mentioned in the past that if you go to the Patreon page, we have collections of all the different worlds and pieces of lore we have covered. For example, if you want everything we have ever done about Baldur's Gate, from the invention of D&D to Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that, you can find individual collections for all of those, or just one big collection containing all of Baldur's Gate or all of D&D. So everything we have covered, everything we have covered, Eberron, Marvel, DC, Alien Zooniverse, Cyberpunk, Dune, and more. We have collections for each of those worlds. And I do want to mention that on the Patreon, the only thing behind the subscription is the Treasure Room content. Anything that has been released in the podcast for free is still free there. It is just a better organization of the information that the podcast app doesn't let us do. They are just a big list and you just got to type in your search words. On the Patreon, there are tags for everything. You got Fantasy, D&D, Creature Features, Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that. Just an individual tag for those episodes. And as I said, we do have collections just to make this as easy as possible to find what you're looking for. We have learned in the past that a lot of people who listen to the floor, they're interested in one or two of the worlds. And they may check out one or two of the episodes when we switch worlds. But they're really just mostly interested in that. So we just want to like consolidate everything you're looking for to make it just as easy as possible to access. So... Check that out just to make your life easier. And uh, we are working at making sure you can download any of the free episodes there. So even if you're going to lose Wi-Fi or connection, you can get the episodes you want before that happens. Or just not burn your data while you're traveling to and from work or whatever else is you do while you listen. And uh, thank you. I hope you continue to enjoy the show.